Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I am still Snuffles McGee, but here we are. It's Monday night. No, I did not get ChatGPT to write the introduction to this, but was I tempted? Maybe a little. But that is neither here nor there, for I am not an AI-based chatbot. I'm Chris Schreier. This is the Toronto Beer Podcast. And we're here to drink beer and listen to the Curry Brothers. So let's do that first. Rob Curry, take it away. Actually, the Curry Brothers have released uh, with another artist. I've forgotten their name off the top of my head. Uh, a Christmas track. Might have to give that a listen. You should look it up anywhere you get your regular Curry Brothers music. Uh, actually, I know for a fact it's on Spotify uh, if you look it up. Um, but you can also actually pay for that music on Bandcamp. And I would highly, highly recommend checking that out too. But that was Link Ray on our regular theme, also available on Bandcamp. It's the link. It's in the description. So check it out. Hey, so apologies. I skipped last week because I had a cold. And as I've confessed, and you can probably already hear, I still have a cold. I mean, I don't feel too bad, but I'm just super congested. I'm like that. It's disgusting. And I mean, I probably would have felt up to doing a beer review last week, but I couldn't taste or smell much. It wasn't COVID. I didn't lose my sense. It's just when you're congested, the old schnozzle doesn't uh, doesn't work. So still kind of dealing with that. Now, the good news is I've opted for a beer that packs a mighty wallop. Uh, so hopefully I can uh, detect uh, some of its characteristics through... Uh, through this uh, malady I've been inflicted with. Um, and if not, it's just going to be fun. And it'll sure help me sleep tonight because it's like 10% or something. So we'll dive into that. Oh, look. Ben's joined us. Hey, Ben. Um, tonight, Blackburn Imperial Stout. This is not the regular one. This is the bourbon barrel aged variety. What kind of bourbon? Don't know. It probably says on the can, and I will read it. Just not yet. Uh, they do also make a non-bourbon barrel-aged variety. Also, how long is it bourbon barrel-aged? I also do not know. I'm going to guess and say four months. Just a guess. Just a guess. But we will see again. Well, actually, a lot of the time they don't mention how long it's been barrel-aged for because... Barrel aging is uh, space and time uh, um, consumptive, and often uh, I'm not saying breweries will like cut corners, and we all know Left Field's not cutting any corners unless they're making uh, paper uh, snowflakes to hang in the window. But uh, often you would like think, oh, I wish this, I bet this beer was barrel aged for three years, and breweries are just fine with being like, not quite, but you're in the neighborhood. It was four months. Uh, so uh, we'll, we'll have to see. 
that's that's the, the moral of the story. We'll have to see. Uh, I'm going to open this and pour it. I don't know if you can hear my daughter in the background. She's becoming something of a regular occurrence. She has a bit of a sing-songy, cartoony voice. It's just delightful. Well, let me get this on the camera. Take a week off and I forget what I'm doing here. Oh, yeah. Look at how dark that is. Like the Grinch's heart. Oh, yeah, I didn't really justify this. And let's be honest, I don't have to justify anything. This is my podcast. But in the interest of justifying it, Imperial Stout, not strictly speaking a Christmas or holiday beer, uh, but a real nice, again, high alcohol. It's going to have some heat to it. It's I know for a fact, I've had this beer in the past, it's going to have some really nice, complex, malty, maybe even a little smoky kind of notes with the bourbon in there. This is a really nice uh, after dinner, maybe after a big meal, maybe some turkey or some uh, roast. And again, I've poured this in a snifter, if you're uh, listening to the uh, listening to the podcast, not looking at the video. Uh that's exactly what you want this in. Just something reflective. You can feel the cool curves of the glass and just spend some time with it, you know, uh, engage all of your senses. Well, not all of them. Turns out you have more than the um, five that they teach you about in school. We don't need to worry about sense of motion. Uh, we can leave that. Oh, Ben says that he liked the cutting corners joke. That's good. Came up with that right off the top of my head. I thought, when would left field cut corners? Well, making snowflakes. All right, let's see. Again, apologies in advance for my significant equipment failure in the old facial region here. So I'm smelling. I can smell a little chocolate, I think. And some oakiness, bourboniness. Yeah, I'm not getting a ton, but bear in mind, I'm very congested still, but definitely uh, like uh, not like cocoa, more like chocolate, like dark chocolate. Uh, and uh, yeah, a hint of something that's a little vanilla, oaky, bourbon-y. Um, I mean, it's easy to say that because I know that that's just an element that's going to be in this beer. Uh, it, that might have just been helpfully framed for me uh or maybe i'm genuinely smelling that and would have identified that blind uh but either way that's all i'm kind of getting off this right now um sometimes when you've got a uh, a stuffed up nose a bit of alcoholic heat hello my darling um can help open those sinuses up that has not happened yet but i will uh i will report in if it does just looking around. Anyway, well, we'll carry on. Here we go. I'm going to sip it. See if my taste is any better than my scent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have bothered smelling it. Should have just gone in. Oh, yeah, straight for that. Oh, okay, well. Well, now here we have... We have quite another... Quite another thing happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right away. Chocolate. Now, both 
like really nice high end dark chocolate that shows a little bit of almost like a dark fruity characteristic that you can get in cocoa for sure. Uh, also cocoa powder. Um, there's a, a hint of almost coffee. Um, it's not it's not quite smoky, surprisingly. Um, I mean, it's not a smoked beer, so that, that makes sense. But a lot of the time, those very dark Imperial Stets can have a smoky quality because they use a lot of very darkly roasted uh, malts. But in this case, uh, no, we, we don't necessarily have much in the way of smoke, but, but coffee, which also can be flirting with the bound of smoke without actually entering it. Uh, definitely getting that. And then, yeah, very clear vanilla e bourbon very clear and a lot of alcoholic heat in a very nice way yeah huh let me do that again one second there's this real weight to the beer it's got a very fairly fairly heavy mouthfeel to it which is quite nice and like a decent carbonation but it's not like aggressive but there's something almost a little bit like sponge toffee in that malt somehow which with that vanilla bourbony thing oh that works really nicely and then yeah a lot of chocolate and yet I'm actually second guessing my when I said about coffee. I think actually what I'm getting is like when coffee has a chocolatey quality to it, I'm getting a bit of that. It's more like the chocolate than it is like the coffee, I think. And it's like cocoa-y, um, nicely, nicely bitter for sure. Yeah, in spite of the fairly heavy body and again, that hint of like sponge toffee, it's a very... Uh, I was about to say it's a very bitter beer That's not accurate But you can tell it's got a lot of um, Alpha acid hop in it Because it isn't sweet It's like the lingering finish on your, your palate Is not sugary Which in some Imperial Stouts um, You can get that It's, it's acceptable um, There should be a lot of hops Whether it's a historical or a modern interpretation um, But how you define a lot there's a, a lot of wiggle room in there and, and you can still have um, a fairly sweet uh, beer with that in mind. But in this case, um, it's it's not. Um, I mean, in a beer this big, you tend not to use a word like balance. <laughs> um, but in in insofar as it's a very uh, well high alcohol, I'm actually just seeing on the can, it's 10.7 percent. So it's closer to 11 Um yeah, fairly heavy bodied, clearly a lot of, of residual sugar in the malts uh, in that beer, but enough hop that actually the finish is, is slightly bitter and dry um, with no real lingering sweetness, which to me, in its way, speaks of balance, which I kind of like. I'd say the big show here is definitely chocolate, cocoa and some bourbon. And uh and that's one heck of a show. That's a show I would tune into on Thursday night. Yeah. Really nice. We didn't talk about the head on it. 
the head is darker than a lot of beers I would typically drink. I'm just going to spin it back up and get it on the camera here. Look at that. Well, in the brightness of my LED light, but yeah, that's, it's almost kind of coppery, orangey brown. Uh, sometimes they have like a nice kind of khaki head. This is more robust than that. Uh, my ring lights, yeah, it nothing gets through that. I was going to say, sometimes it glimmers a little red around the edges in that case, and it's really attractive. Um, this is like, again, black like the Grinch's heart. Anthony's saying, like a crunchy bar. Yeah, like a crunchy bar if it was made with much better quality chocolate. That would be what we would be looking at. And in that context, too, the ratio of sponge toffee to chocolate would be uh, more equal. Uh, I find crunchy bars are heavy on the sponge toffee, light on the chocolate. Now that said, a couple years ago, I made some sponge toffee and then hand dipped it in um, like a nice melted uh, dark uh, chocolate um, and uh, took it on a camping trip and consumed it with bourbon. And uh, it would be like that for sure. Anthony says, was thinking that when you said less sweet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, because obviously Crunchy Bar, Crunchy Bars don't have terrible chocolate in them. They're not like lowest common denominator. It's not like they've melted bloody Kinder Eggs and put them on there. But uh, it's not the highest quality chocolate. And this has got a real, again, that when you get out of like cocoa or a really nice dark chocolate, a dark kind of like cherry or like, yeah, dark fruitiness uh, to it from the cocoa that's that's happening in this which is just delightful um really nice beer and again just a great sipper you know you can you can cup your hands around it and you know maybe you've got a a velvet jacket on uh perhaps uh perhaps some chocolate covered sponge toffee confections on the table or maybe a, a mince pie if uh if you if you like i don't but uh if you do don't let me yuck your yum um and actually speaking of which well the, there's two things right there what else could we eat with this now i'm gonna have a sip and give it some thought but i've, I've already got i've already got answers for you the first thing that uh, you need to consider with this is uh, this is going to work really well with a nice salty blue cheese. And I know that sounds weird, um, but it's one of those cases where that that really, really stark juxtaposition ends up working really well. Um, it's a little bit like uh, I learned in in uh, well, it was Estonia, but it was in a Russian restaurant, uh, a common um a uh, starter uh, on a table uh, is um, a little like a, it was like a gravy boat, if I'm honest with you, of honey served with spears of dill pickle around it. And you dip a dill pickle in the honey and consume it. And I mean, a lot of people hear that and they go, yeah, it's like sweet and sour. And I'm like, yeah, but there's more to it than that. Um, and it's a very hard juxtaposition where instead of being weird, both sides of the juxtaposition just become vastly more interesting and delicious. So, uh, yeah, a salty blue cheese here. You're not going to, uh, you're not going to regret that. Also, uh, yeah, if you wanted to have it with a main, this is something that's going to work well with a nice big bit of, uh, red meat, uh, maybe, uh, 
well, it would work well with a, a really hearty stew or again, even like your, your roast dinner. If you're doing that, uh, that'll, that'll play. Um, but really what this is designed for is after dinner sitting, oh, sitting on the couch, fires crackling in the grate and, uh, you're just, you're just sipping your stout again, maybe some chocolates, something small, um, trying to think if there's something I've missed here that's obvious. You know, I've got actually uh, a customer of mine today gave me a little bag of fresh-baked uh, ginger molasses cookies. I wouldn't say no to that. Oh, hey, Mary Beth. Mary's here. Um, anything like that, man. Oh, that'd be good. I actually have another one of those ginger cookies, the last one in the kitchen. I'm tempted, but I'm okay. I'll have it later. Mm-mm-mm. So this is Blackburn Bourbon Barrel Aged Imperial Stout from the good folks over at Leftfield. Oh, pardon me. It does say number five, fifth year they've done this. Bold, smooth, complex. I agree with all those statements. It is, as I mentioned, 10.7% alcohol. I was going to say buckle up. That sounds like I'm telling you to drive. Probably not after a couple of these, uh, but uh Get strapped in. This one doesn't fool around. I am going to look at the back now. Oh, yeah, I haven't even told you, and maybe you already knew. Um, the name Blackburn uh, comes from the... Uh uh, it's like a mud that they that uh, major league baseball pitchers rub on on the balls before they they pitch them, um, and it's like it's like a secret, hard uh, you know I was to say hard to find out like you don't know it's stuff like one company produces it. Um, anyway, they say the uh, it, it's a it's a dark tribute to the game's most curious ritual. The mystery deepens as this imperial stout emerges after aging for one year. Huh, there you go. In Traverse City Whiskey Company bourbon barrels. Well, that does sound nice. Swirling oaky aromas of sweet cocoa give way to bold, sticky dark chocolate curious about the word sticky uh vanilla and caramel flavors with a full warming finish well despite my congestion i have to say that left field and i agree about the tasting notes on this beer how about that i wouldn't have said caramel i would have said sponge toffee also i'm curious about sticky dark chocolate what makes the dark chocolate sticky is it melted why is the dark chocolate sticky it's questionable it's got a lot of sugar in it I don't know. If anybody from left field is listening to this and they want to reach out to me and tell me why the dark chocolate is sticky. And guys, come on. I'm immature, too. Let's leave that. That's not why it's sticky. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you can buy this right now. As I told you guys a while ago, it was released on uh, Black Friday. Get it? It's a stout. Black Friday. See? Funny. Uh Oh, it's so good. You can get it at left field right now. Do you know how I got it? I did not go to left field. I ordered it for delivery. They are still doing next day delivery in Toronto. God bless them. It's a $5 fee. It's not free anymore. Oh, no, there's no free lunch and there's no free delivery, but it's a $5 fee. And I think you have to spend over $50, but I'm not sure about that. That's never a problem for me. Uh, 
But yeah, I ordered in some nice stuff. A new one, Circus Catch IPA. Don't even know anything about that one, but it's tasty. It is tasty. Uh, and then a lot of ice cold beer and a couple of Glorioso, the Italian Pilsner. That's nice. Great beers. So anyway, you can get this at left field right now. Again, actually, I was going to say a bit spendy, but actually not that bad. Not that bad. I'm trying to remember. It was sold in a four pack and I feel like it was like 14 or 16 bucks, which doesn't seem like enough now that I say that. 16 would be about right, like four bucks. Anyway, it was it was surprisingly less spendy than I was mentally prepared for. Um, so I got four. So I'm sitting on a few, which is great. Um, not this one, though. This one I'm drinking. Mm, mm, mm. So nice. So, so nice. So what are we doing now? Well, I got nothing to mention, really. And like nothing, nothing. No well, I can I can always come up with a few things if you really want. I hear you saying I really want you to tell me some stuff that I ought to do. So with that in mind, may I suggest a few things? For one, uh, since we haven't talked in, about rugby in a while, that's not true. I think I talked about it two weeks ago, and I didn't podcast last week. But that's been a while. If you have a young person in your life that you think would like to try the delightful game of rugby, we are running our Winter Academy again this year. Now, for the older kids, which is, um, uh, we say U14, under 14, which means um, that they're under the age of 14, uh, but then the next level down is under 12. So if they're under 12, they're not a U14, they're under 12. Uh, that will be their age on January the 1st. If their age on January the 1st is 12 or above, uh, it's not ideal as a way to be introduced to the sport because the point of the Winter Academy at that age is to really be focusing on some specific skill development. But if they're younger than that, if they're 11 or younger on January the 1st, whoa, Nelly, we're doing uh, Sunday mornings from 1030 till noon, I think, or 10 till 1130. It's 90 minutes anyway, uh, up at the Soccerplex on Railside, which is a DVP and Lawrence. Look up Balmy Beach Junior Rugby on the socials and uh, you can check it out. It's a really great uh, opportunity. It's a, it's a really great opportunity in general, but especially for new players because uh, the group's quite a bit smaller. Now, there's generally only maybe like two or three or occasionally four coaches, but just because it's a smaller group, the coaches have a little bit more opportunity to have a bit more one-on-one, -on -one, hands-on time uh, with newer kids. So um, it's a great opportunity. Also, it's like cheaper than a season uh, for this part. So it's a good way to um, get them to see because like maybe sometimes kids are just like, nah, this ain't for me. So it's a little bit less of a commitment. Um, runs from January till March, I believe every Sunday morning. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. I'm not going to be able to be at that one, unfortunately, but uh, that's a great opportunity if you have a kid, especially if they don't have any programming on in the winter. I know a lot of people got hockey or they ski or whatever, but if uh, if the kid in your life doesn't and you're interested, I can't say enough good things about being part of a rugby team, let me tell you. So you can look that up. That's all I'm going to talk to you about rugby. There's some other stuff. Some big movement in the world of coaches, but I would expect that if you cared about that, you would already know. So I don't need to fill you in on that. All I can say, 
Welcome back, Warren. Uh, I will leave that, though. Also, what else? Well, it is the festive season, and I don't know what you personally, uh, how, how you commemorate the season, what you celebrate, whether you are a, a religious zealot uh, who finds deep uh, spiritual meaning in uh, w one of many uh, possible holidays celebrated this time of year, uh, or if you uh, simply enjoy the spirit of the season, as they say, celebrating perhaps Christmas, uh, but in a uh, sort of a secular way, however you do it, let me tell you. There are a few movies. They're all Christmas movies. I want to be fair and open about that. Uh, but there are a few that I want to recommend to you for a variety of reasons. And, and perhaps you could sit on the couch with a loved one, perhaps a dog, if you are blessed to cohabit with a four-legged canine friend or more. Some people have more. I have one, and that's enough for me. We're going to have two visiting us over Christmas. It's going to be bonkers. Anyhow, curl up on the couch. You know, there are some obvious picks. I'm a big fan of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I love Love Actually and all of its weird awkwardness. I think all that's great. But here are my, my picks for recommendations for people uh, that I think uh, some people might overlook. Uh, the first classic is uh, uh, Christmas Carol, you know, very popular story by, uh, by Charles Dickens. Of course, uh, famously uh, represented by Alistair Sim in like 1847 or something like that. I don't know, it's old. Uh, I mean, hey, if that's your cup of tea, that's great. You do you, whatever. Uh, but... I couldn't say enough good things about the Muppets version of A Christmas Carol. Just perfect. Featuring no less than Michael Caine, or if you want to sound like your Cockney, say Michael Caine. Michael Caine, like that, uh, as, uh, as Scrooge himself. And of course, all your favorite Muppets uh, make appearances throughout the film. Man, people need to watch that movie more, like, at least every festive season. Hey, Rob. Uh, so I would highly recommend sipping your Blackburn Stout and watching that film. Now, if you have a young person in your life, I'm not going to try and get you to sign them up for rugby again. We already did that. But there are a couple of kids' Christmas movies that have become real classics around our house. We're big fans of uh, the first. It's a pair. It's a two-parter. And I'll be honest with you, the second one is a bit more contrived, uh, but it's delightful in its way. Uh, that would be the Christmas Chronicles featuring Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Although Goldie, well, she actually she's in the second one a lot more than she is in the first. Um, Kurt Russell playing a pretty badass Santa, if I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, also, in the first one, look for an appearance of uh, Stephen Van Zant, little Stephen, uh, with, I think, a couple of the members of the E Street Band in a prison. And, uh, well, you'll just have to tune in and see why. But the reason, I mean, it's great, it's fun, the kids love it, but one of the reasons why it's actually extra beloved to us is because it's filmed in Toronto, and they make gratuitous use of downtown Toronto in the first one. Uh, in the second one, the family is away on holiday, and you see very little of, uh, of Toronto. But, uh, but the first one, 
Yeah, I mean, there's a scene when they're sitting out front of a church and it's St. James Cathedral and they're driving around downtown and there's scenes where go trains are going by in the background. It's great. Oh, just makes you feel like you're at home. Uh, the other one, an animated uh, that I would recommend for the little ones, the grommets, if you like, uh, would be uh, it's a British one, actually, uh, Arthur Christmas. And uh, it's the story of the uh, the um, line of succession to the role of Santa. And uh, don't you know, his second son, Arthur, who is not destined to be Santa, has quite an adventure on Christmas Eve one night. And incidentally, actually, now that I think about it, also features an appearance of an animated Toronto. It really is as if the city itself is a character in the movie. No, it's not. I hate it when people people say that about New York all the time. and You just want to slap them in the mouth. Don't be stupid. It's a city. Shut up. Anyway, uh, Toronto is not a character in the movie. It does appear, though. Uh, Grandpa Santa accidentally ends up in Toronto uh, tearing around and they leave off a couple of uh, a couple of reindeer. So anyway, it's, it's cute. You should look it up. You got a favorite Christmas movie? I want to hear about it. Comment on uh, if you if you're on the Insta or the, the YouTube uh, or, uh, you know, message me. I'm not hard to find. Uh, contact details in the description, as they say. Uh, so hit me up. Let me know if I'm missing out anything. I got more. We watch a lot of Christmas movies. It's great. So good. But I digress. Any of those or whatever you're thinking, if it's a fun, you know, Christmassy holiday movie, crack yourself one of these Blackburn Imperial Stouts, cozy up on the couch, maybe eat some chocolate covered. Uh, uh, what did I just forget what that's called? Sponge toffee. There it is. And uh, you have yourself a great great night. I am going to be back next week. You sure are right I am, unless I'm not. But at the moment, my intention is to be back. I have not selected a beer yet, so I am open to suggestions. I'm very suggestible. Uh, but uh, if I don't hear anything, I'll pick something out nice. I like cruising down that uh, fancy European beer aisle at uh, the LCBO this time of year, as I've mentioned previously. So I might see what I can pick up in there. Some interesting bottles. Ooh-wee. Some interesting, generally high-proof, very complex beers uh, for the holidays, just the way we like them. So I will leave you at that. As always, Rob Curry is going to play us out one more time. That link also in the description of this episode. So wherever you're listening, take a boo, click through, pick up that record. It is lights out actually would make a great gift. So uh, especially if the person in your life likes lo-fi, sci-fi, surf rock. I think that's how it was described. It's just perfect. So Rob Curry, take us home, brother. And you guys all have a great night. We'll speak in one week. Bye. <laughs>